Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to let our kiddos be dismissed tonight. Our kiddos can be dismissed. Getting ready for their stuff. And as they are doing that, if you would like to turn uh, to the book of Exodus, chapter number 27. And you can remain uh, seated tonight for the reading of the word. Always good to be with you and see you in the house of the Lord. Didn't we have a great service on Sunday? And God do some wonderful things. Exodus 27. And I will read from Romans chapter 3 as well. Exodus 27, beginning with verse number 1. And thou shalt make an altar, by saying altar, thou shalt make an altar of shittim wood, five cubits long, five cubits broad. The altar shall be four square, and the height thereof shall be three cubits. And thou shalt make the horns of it upon the four corners thereof. His horns shall be of the same. And thou shalt overlay it with brass. And thou shalt make his pans to receive his ashes, and his shovels, and his basins, and his flesh hooks, and his fire pans. All the vessels thereof thou shalt make of brass. And thou shalt make for it a grate of network of brass. And upon the net shalt thou make four brazen rings in the four corners thereof. Thou shalt put it under the compass of the altar beneath, that the net may be even to the midst of the altar. And thou shalt make staves for the altar, staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with brass. And this, notice this. And the staves shall be put into the rings, and the staves shall be upon the two sides of the altar. Why? To bear it. Everybody say, to bear it. Hollow with boards shalt thou make it, as it was showed thee in the mount, so shall they make it. Um, and I am teaching tonight from the subject, make room for the altar. We got to make room for the altar. Um, it is important that we understand the need for an altar in our lives. Romans, let me read this to you very quickly. Romans 3 and 23. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God had set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, everybody say His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Um, make room for the altar. Now, I preach Sunday about... Uh, somebody help me the title, Prepare Him Room. Thank you. Prepare Him Room. It's bad when the preacher can't remember his title. We had a good service, though. (laughs) What did he preach about? I don't know, but we had a good service. Um, and, And so I preached about Prepare Him Room, and I talked about the need to make sure that there is room in our lives for God. And that is a priority. 
It is a priority for us to make sure that there is room in our lives for God. Um, I'm also going to just kind of bounce off of that and, and tie in with this and tell you that you also need to make sure you've got room in your life for an altar. If you do not have an altar, you are hurting nobody but yourself. Yourself. Um, it is interesting that when Moses gets the instructions from the Lord of this particular piece of furniture that is going to be uh, in the tabernacle, it's, it's interesting that the Lord told him, he said, I want you to put a, a, a ring on each corner of it. There's going to be a ring. And um, then you're going to get staves of wood. And, uh, you're gonna, uh, those are going to be ran through those rings. And so the reason for this is that any time that I get you and begin to lead you somewhere else and you begin to follow me, you don't leave your altar behind. You take your altar with you. You take your altar with you. That's a good lesson all by itself. As, as the old timers say, that's good all by itself. Um, we could go home and, and, and with that line right there, and we'd, we'd had a good service. Take your altar with you everywhere you go. Um, if, you, if you live in Texas, but you're working in Jonesboro, bring your altar with you. If you're going to see family, if you're going to uh, Orlando uh, over the weekend, to, to, uh, we'll try not to be upset at you. Um, I, I, I said, I bet it's going to be warm down there. And uh, he said, I heard it's around 82 right now. And, and so, God bless you. <laughs> um, if you go to Orlando, take the altar with you. If you go to visit family this holiday season, take the altar with you. Um, wherever you go, whatever you do in life, bring an altar. You must have room for the altar. And, and it's interesting that the Lord would, would tell them, this is so important that you've got to have a method whereby you can carry this with you anywhere you go. This is how important this is. It would be so, it, it would behoove us to understand and get a grasp on the things that God considers to be important. How many things do we think that are just life and death importance uh, and really they don't have any eternal significance? Has, there, did, has anybody, how many remember just wanting to turn 16 years old? And I, my wallet's in my car, but I wanted to get that piece of plastic, you know, so bad. Um, that said, I could drive by myself. And, um, of course, I grew up in Gurdon. I drove by myself anyway, didn't we? <laughs> you know, one day I was, um, uh, I don't know, I had to go. My parents had to be out of town for something. And, and uh, y'all don't tell the law this, but Mom told me, she said, just get in my car and go do it. I was 14 years old. And... Uh, I was not, I was, <laughs> thank you, Brother David. <laughs> I was trying to find, 
I was trying to find a very diplomatic way of saying that. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I, I, I was, you remember me, I mean, I'm, I'm like twice as big now as I was growing up. I was, I was super skinny and, and small, and, and at 14, I, I, this is true, this is true. Um, I, I put pillows in that seat that day. <laughs> so I'd look a little bit taller. And I had gone and done whatever it was they needed me to do. I'd gone and done, and I was uh, driving back home. And as I was driving home, I topped the hill on Red, on Red Springs Road, uh, the hill right in front of Beach Street Baptist Church. And as I was going over it, um, I met a, I met a uh, state police uh, coming this way. And we passed each other. <laughs> and I just tried to look ahead, and, and I saw him out of the corner of my eye go. <laughs> so as soon, my house wasn't too far past that hill. So as soon as I got over the hill, I hit it. I, I zoomed home, pulled in to our carport. We didn't have a garage, or I'd have hid that car, I promise you. I pulled into the carport, ran in the house. And uh, I was in there about a minute and a half, and then I heard uh, knock, knock, knock at the door. And I went to the door, and it was that trooper. And uh, believe it or not, he was not looking for me. <laughs> now, I was—I don't know if he was cutting me. A, he had to be cutting me a break, either that or he needed some more training, because he said, "Are your parents home?" And I said, "No, sir, they're not. I was the only one home." And uh, I did not look old enough to drive. And he said, well, when they get home, I need your dad to contact me, da-da-da-da. There's something to do with church and stuff. So uh, anyway, I remember how bad I wanted that, that, that card so I could drive, you know. And, and I thought that was the most important thing in life for a long time, you know. And then I wanted a family. And that was the most important thing. And, and, and that is an important thing. And... But, but I'm going to tell you, our, our walk with God is the most important thing that we have. It, it, it is. And, and we, have to, we have to prioritize these things. If we do not make room for the important things of life, something else will find its way there. It, I mean, it's going to happen every time. Something else is going to find its way there. And you'll get consumed with something or other. And there's a lot of people that are chasing a lot of things right now. And the reason they're chasing them is because they have not learned to prioritize. And so those voids in our lives, they're going to be filled some way, somehow. And uh, we'll, we'll fill them with a, a lot of nonsense or a lot of vain things if we're not careful. Um, so... Obviously, Sunday I preach, we've got to make room for him. And today, I'm telling you, you've got to make room for an altar. Uh, you've got to have a place in your life where you can go and you can get right with God. You've got to have a place that you can get right with God. Um, why does it matter? Why is a repentant life so vital to spiritual success? Here's why. Because as long as we live, we will battle our flesh for control. As long as we live, this is going to be a problem. This is going to be a problem. 
Um, I have been intending to try to lose a little bit of weight. And I just want to lose a little bit of weight. But I've got a problem. And that is that there, nothing that I like to eat is good for me. And I don't, and I haven't been so concerned about it that I will make the sacrifice to not eat what I want to eat. Now, when I'm full, I'm real good at making that commitment. You know, and and I'm, I can do real well. But um, you let me get hungry, and I start thinking about what I want to eat, and and I give in, I give in, and. And it, this has been a battle for years, right? Anybody else battle this? Okay. It's been a battle for years. And, and it's, just this, it's just this stuff right here wanting to do what it wants to do. And we will always battle this. We will always battle this. Darren's been on his, on his journey of weight loss and, and uh, doing really well and has lost a lot of weight and and he can tell you how he's done it and all that stuff, but but it, it's a daily decision. You got to get up every day and recommit to doing what you said you were going to do the day before, because because it, well, this is good because that commitment is only as good as often as you refresh it. That commitment is only as good as often as you will renew it and refresh it. And you will only stay submitted to the Spirit of God in your life so long as you renew yourself at the altar. Let me tell you one of the beautiful things about the altar. The altar is the place where we really submit to God. The altar is the place where we really submit to God. We lay self down and... We say a little less of me today and a little more of you, Jesus. And, and it's a submission thing that takes place at the altar. Have you ever had it in your mind that you were not, even living for God, there was something you were not going to do? Anybody? I have. I was not going to do it. But you know what? Somebody preached me under conviction. I got to an altar. And when I got to an altar, you know what happened? I submitted to God. I submitted to God. There, it, it, it's, it's just this inevitable experience that is going to take place when you get there. So it's important that we have an altar because we're always going to battle this flesh for control. You will not wake up one day and say, oh, today's the day. I'm finally over, I, I'm finally over that, 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 um, that crest and... And from here on out, it's going to be smooth sailing. I'm not going to fight flesh. I'm not going to want to ever do anything that is contrary to the Word of God. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You're going to have to make a conscious decision uh, continually that you're going to be right with God, that you're going to follow after the Word of God. You're going to mess up sometimes. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to fall down. And you're going to have to get up and get yourself to an altar where you can be renewed Again, on our best day, we are just human vessels that are attempting to walk in the Spirit. On our best day, we are still just a human vessel that is trying to walk in the Spirit.
And so uh, I would tell you that it takes a significant amount of pride and arrogance for us to look around and say that you or I do not deal with sinful thoughts or actions ever in our life on somewhat of a continual basis. Uh, if, if you would try to say that today, I would say you got a big-time pride issue. And there's a big-time arrogance issue in, in your life because we are, we are but dust. We are but dust. And, and, and uh, we will be driven by our flesh. We will be driven by our flesh. We need to recognize that it is possible even for our thought life to lead us into sin. Our thought life can lead us into sin. Matthew chapter number 5, verses 27 and 28. I want to read that to you. Jesus is teaching on temptation here. And he says, of course this is Sermon on the Mount. You have heard it said that, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Just because there was a thought that took place. Now, think about this just a moment. And obviously, not, a, not all thoughts are going to lead to adultery, but we do have thoughts that can lead us in any number of directions. I've had thoughts where I wanted to take somebody but just now y'all just sit there and act all holy okay but I have you know and and I've had thoughts where I where where whatever it was that 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 was pulling on me and, and that my flesh wanted to give into uh, and Jesus is teaching us a principle here that says in the new in the new covenant you're not under the law anymore well Praise God, and we shout about that, and we ought to, because I thank God we don't have to go into a bloody tabernacle anymore. I thank God that, that you don't have to come to me and say, I need you to pray on my behalf that my sins will get rolled away. Uh, you can go to God. Now, we are, Paul teaches us that we, have, we are all become our own priests unto God. And, and now, we still need a pastor, and that, that's taught too, but... The point is, you can boldly approach the throne of grace yourself. You don't need me to go pray for you. You can go pray and talk to God yourself. Now, isn't that wonderful? And it wasn't always that way. And, and uh, I, I'm thankful that, that we don't have to meander through the law anymore and that, that God has set us free from that. But just because we have been set free from the law and we don't live a... Uh, a legalistic life does not mean that God does not have things that that he wants us to do in a way that he wants us to be. And I taught that whole series about the, the way of God. And, and, and we dealt with how he has a way that is, that is different than our way. And, and so in his way, there's some things that he asks of us. And he says, obviously, he says, this is something you can do or I would not have asked it of you. God will never ask you to do something that you cannot do without His help. He'll never ask you to do something that you cannot do without His help. If, if it is beyond you, then He is going to give you the grace you need to, 
accomplish that thing. And, and so, um, so it is with, with living a life that, that doesn't allow uh, things to, our thought life to get taken control of by all manner of things. Uh, and, and occasionally you're going to have a thought come to you. There's going to be something that's going to get in there. What we need to be careful we don't do is dwell on it. But if we do, we've got a place we can go where we can put that back on the, the altar and say, God, this is something that got a hold of me today, but I'm leaving it here for you, Lord, because I don't want this to be a part of my life. I want to lay this down, and I want to be in submission to your spirit, to your leading, and to your guidance. Now, saying that brings me to something that I feel a little prompted to, to, to mention. And um, my wife was telling me that uh, at one of the ladies' uh, Bible studies, uh, I think she said Sister Courtney mentioned this and somebody else mentioned it, and she was just telling me, she said it, it had just made an impact apparently on, on, on some folks. When I talked about grace and, and, and sin and, and how God views those things. And I want to hit that real quick right here. Um, the first thing I want to say is, we do not have a license to sin. Okay? We don't have a license to sin. It was never the intention. And any church that would tell you that, that you can live however you want to live, and it's going to be okay, God doesn't have a problem with that, you need to run from that church as fast as you can in the opposite direction. Any church that doesn't tell you that God has a better plan for your life and God has a better way for you to live and, and that does not say, let's, let's set the bar to a point uh, where Jesus is and let's try to get there. If, if, if we're not trying to, to, to obtain Jesus, then we got a big problem. Paul said, I came and I preached Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And, and so... We're trying to obtain Jesus. Uh, so the idea that, that some would put forth, and, and, and even a lot of churches and denominations would, would propagate, says that uh, God doesn't really care. As long as you gave your life to Him, God doesn't care how you live. Uh, it, it's always going to be covered, and it's going to be okay. Uh, no man can take you out of His hand. They'll, they'll quote that scripture. And that's, all that is totally out of context. Okay, um, God does want you to do better. Uh, he, he, he does have a higher calling for you. If he did not, Jesus, the same God who said, blessed are the meek and blessed are the merciful and blessed are the humble and blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are those who thirst and hunger after righteousness. And, and he goes through all those things, all the Beatitudes. Uh, the, the same God who said that in the same sermon. Think about that. In the same sermon, he said, now I'm going to tell you, in the past, they say if you commit adultery, um, that's sin. He said, but I'm going to tell you, if you just dwell, think on it, it's sin. So there are some things that he said, it is stronger in this covenant than it was in the old covenant. Okay? Now, there were some things in the old covenant that were stronger. You couldn't, you couldn't do any work on the Sabbath day. And you couldn't bear a burden. And they had a whole list of things through the years that they worked out on what a burden was. And I think I've told you some of them before. Uh, as, I've, as I understand it, and my research has told me, that they even got to the point by the time Jesus walked on the earth, the Pharisees had gotten to the point that they said a burden was if you could bring enough water 
uh, if you were going somewhere, you could bring enough water for one swallow, but not more than one swallow. If it was over one swallow, it was a burden. That's how, that's how strong they had gotten all this stuff, okay? So there was some things that were harder under the law, but then you get to this, this new covenant that we are in, and there's things that are harder under it. And, and, and I mean, we're going to have to... We're going to have to, to, to accept this and, and, and come to terms with the fact that God has set the bar for us to say, you, I'm not telling you that, that you'll never fall short of it, but I am telling you to strive for this. All right? Now, I want to help us tonight. I'm not preaching to you that you will never fall short of the bar. I am preaching to you that you ought to always strive to reach the bar. And if you fall short, you have an advocate with the Father. So, let's talk about grace a little bit and and how this all works. It ties in with repentance that I'm teaching about tonight in the altar. I believe, I I think we got to be so careful because the the flip side of what I just talked about, and I I just dealt with the, the, I just gave my disclaimer, okay? We don't believe in a greasy grace that God just accepts everything and everything's okay. Right? Okay, I dealt with that. The other side of that is we also don't serve a God who's waiting for us to mess up. And at the first moment you mess up, God's going to beat you over the head. And, 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 man, you just give it up. And, and there's probably some people who aren't living for God today because that's the view of God they had. If we're honest... There's some people, and, and they'll tell you, well, I grew up believing that if... I, well, I, I hate that they got that impression, and I don't think that it was anybody's intention probably to give them that impression, but I don't want to propagate that here. I'm going to tell you how, how God views... What, what, how, what grace is. Grace is something that God gives us to help us in time of need, and it, it doesn't matter what the need is, if it's... If you're in mental turmoil, God can give you grace. He can grace you with peace. And if you are in, in physical weakness, God can grace you with strength. And uh, if, if you just feel like um, there's, a, there's a verse in the book of Psalms that said that they were at their wit's end. And if you feel like you're at your wit's end, God can grace you with whatever it is you need to continue on just a little bit further. Thank God for that. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And in that, there's another facet of that, and that is that God graces us with a little space of grace when we mess up. And when, when we fall down, the Bible talks about a space of grace. And the Bible says that my spirit will not always strive with man, but that the day will come when I will cease to strive with man. Right now I'm striving with you. And, and in my mind, that always brings to me the, the image of Jacob struggling. You remember his wrestling match with the Lord? We've talked about it recently at the brook in the book of Genesis. And, and I see, uh, you know, that was a theophany of God. Uh, that, that, was, that was a physical manifestation of God that Jacob wrestled with and... God was wrestling with him, saying, I want, I'm going to do this until you realize that I'm here with you and that I want to do something better in your life than you've, than you've been doing up to this point. 
Who are you? And he said, I am Jacob. He said, no longer are you Jacob, but now your name is Israel. And, and he strove with him till Jacob got to the point where he could allow God to bless him. All right? And when we fall and when we mess up, I believe God looks a lot of time on our intent. Because I have, I have, honestly, I have honestly made mistakes before that probably hurt somebody's feelings. Anybody else done that? Didn't mean to, didn't want to, but I did. And I have honestly thought I was doing the right thing, and in fact, I was doing the wrong thing. Anybody else? I'm in good company tonight. And in those moments, and then there's been times where I did the wrong thing, and, and if I'd have stopped to think about it, I'd have known it was the wrong thing, but in my, in, in, in my humanity, in that flash, I just reacted immediately and thank god he remembers that we are but dust and so i believe the bible teaches that god gives a space of grace and in that space of grace the lord says i'm going to allow you a, a a moment in time where I'm, I'm going to extend grace to you mercy to you and give you the opportunity to repent before me and if you will repent before me, this will be made right. But if you will not repent before me, then eventually there's going to... And, and whatever that space of grace is, I don't know how long that is. I, I believe it differs for every situation and every person. And, and, but when you pass the, the, the space of grace, then God says, now this is going to be laid to your account. And you're going to carry this. Thank God. And, and this is what I be, how I believe grace works. I don't believe God's waiting to beat us up just because we made a, 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 we made a mistake in, in, a, in a rash moment. God knows our hearts. The Bible says that he knows that he can discern between the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And God knows that given a space of grace that Trish Columns is going to say, God, I was wrong for that. Would you please forgive me? Terry Snow's going to say, Lord, I, I made a mistake. Would you please forgive me? And he's going to give us a chance to get it right. That doesn't give us license to sin, though. Because the space of grace is only for a, a certain set amount of time, and that's up for God to determine. And I don't want to mess with his grace. I don't want to test the limits of the grace of God. So why are you saying all of that? I'm saying it for two reasons. One, to help you, hopefully tonight, to not feel like God's waiting to beat you up every time you mess up. But also to remind you that when you have messed up, you need to go find an altar. Get to a place where you can kneel down and say, Lord, there's some things in my life that may have crept in, and, and some of it I'm aware of, and there's probably some things I'm even not aware of. And the Bible talks about that. We, we would call them sins of omission. Things we didn't do, or, or things that we're not even really aware of that we did, that did not please God. Thank God He gives me the opportunity to come to the altar and make it right, whether it's something I realize or it's something I don't realize. Thank God I've got a place that I can go where I can call on His name, where I can lay it before Him, and God will allow those things to be taken from my account. Can you say amen? amen. 
Amen. Amen. Listen to me. The weapons of our warfare, the Bible said, they are mighty. Everybody say mighty. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, the weapons of our warfare are mighty. Our weapons are not carnal. They are not swords. They are not guns. They are not physical strength. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. But they are spiritual things. And one of the greatest weapons of our warfare is the fact that God has given us an altar. Our weapons are mighty weapons and they are strong enough to help us bring every, captiv- every thought into captivity. So even when we're fighting these things where, where things just want to fl- uh, fl- uh, fl- float through our head and, and we've got stuff that just wants to come uh, try to make a place in our head and take up residence... And if you've lived for any amount of time, you probably had a struggle at one point or another. You probably had a struggle with something trying to consume your every waking thought. Is that right? Something getting in your head that will not let go and you begin to let it turn over and over and over. And if you're really upset and frustrated, you even begin to think about uh, different ways you could make this right. And how you could get vengeance. Or how, how about this, how God could get vengeance for you. And you start putting it together in your head of how that would look. Don't nobody want to say amen on a Wednesday night? <laughs> yeah, it, it is true. And we, start th- and we think it's spiritual because we think about God getting them, but we're directing it. You know, we're the... We're leading the orchestra. This is, and then, and then God's going to do dun da da dun, and we're and we just got it all planned out in our head, and and uh, we're allowing these things come. I'm going to tell you that there is a weapon of our warfare that is strong enough for us to go and get before God and say, Lord. This keeps trying to plague me. This keeps trying to bother me. And I know, God, that my thought life can lead me into sin. So, Lord, I'm going to come to the altar because the altar is a place that is mighty and the altar is a place that has power and there is purpose here. And if I will leave this at the altar, I am believing you to do a great work in my life. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Now God, thank goodness, had a plan for us. And so because he had a plan, he gave us the altar. And it was a physical thing in the Old Testament, but it is a spiritual thing in the New Testament. And in both Testaments, we see that God places high value on the altar. Did you know the Bible said... um, the. The, the Bible lets us know that, that we, can, we can seek for a place of repentance. That's New Testament. We can seek God for a place of repentance when we've messed up. So this isn't just Old Testament theology. This is New Testament theology. It is a principle that was began in the Old Testament, but, but Jesus gets a hold of it and says, let me pull this on into this new covenant. I want you to understand, he's saying, that what you saw back there, 
though it will not be physically exactly the same thing, you're not going to go take a lamb and shut it up and then bring it to a priest and him put it on a physical altar. But the principle of what you were doing there, I'm going to bring that principle and pull it on into this new covenant. And, and you will have the opportunity to go find a place with God where you can take these things as they come up in your life and you can lay them before me and I will accept your sacrifice. I will accept your sacrifice. But it is so important that you take your altar with you. You don't leave... Now, now here's where I wanted to get to tonight. You don't leave your altar at church on Sunday. Don't leave your altar at church. Bring it to church and then take it home. And take it to work and take it wherever you go. Make room in your life for the altar. Because you never know when you're going to need it. I told this story about the night that I first repented and began to get things right in my life. I was a child. We were still living in uh, Texas. And uh, I guess I was eight years old, I think, when I really began to feel convicted. Uh, I had for... I, for a long time before that, I had, but I I was very scared. Y'all wouldn't believe this now, but when I was growing up, I was very timid. And I was very scared to respond to the presence of God as it would begin to move. And I had a hard time with that. And so we'd be in church, and and people would come pray, and all, and I wanted to go pray, and I, but I was scared to do that. And that's a good thing for us to remember, by the way. We've got kids in our church. We may have guests that are at our church. And somebody may, everything in them may be saying, I want to go respond right now to the presence of God. And it is possible for us to be, for them to be scared to do that. Just because you're not doesn't mean they aren't. And so we ought to be sensitive to that. And we ought to always be aware. And Lord, if there's somebody I could help right now, maybe I could just go pray with them. And it would, and, and all their, in their mind, they're just begging for somebody to come pray with them. That's good. That's good. So that's where I was. And at eight years old, we're driving down the road. It was a Wednesday night Bible study just like this. And, and we're driving home. And as we're driving home, I don't even remember exactly what my pastor had said. I just knew something he had said had gotten a hold of me. And I just began to cry on the way home. And Dad was working. And I was with Mom. And she said, Kenneth, what's wrong? I said, I, I just feel like I need to repent. And she said, do you want to go to Brother Moore's house? And I said, yes. And she said, let's go. So she turned the car in that direction. We went to my pastor's house, knocked on the door. They said, come on in. We went, we knelt down at the coffee table, and I began to pour my heart out to God. I began to repent. I am so thankful I didn't have to have an altar in a church to do that. That's my point. I am so thankful that I learned at a young age to take the altar with me. Because there's been times I was away at college and maybe I started to get involved in things I shouldn't have got involved in. Thank God that as the Lord began to convict me, 
I didn't have to wait to drive all the way back home to Gurdon so I could get down to the altar in our church. I could just make an altar where I was. I'm going to tell you, most of the impactful times of my life where I met God at the altar, they didn't happen in a physical church building. I repented that night. That was a turning point in my life. I repented that night at my pastor's house uh, there in Santa Fe. Um, I, uh, uh, when God called me to preach, when he, when he first dealt with me about that, you know where I was? I was living in a little old travel trailer, going to college, living in my parents' little travel trailer on a lot that Brother uh, Larry Pierce owned in Conway, Arkansas, and, and uh, had nothing out there. Um, we, you, I'm going to tell you what, you'll learn real quick just how much you're dependent upon um, all of your uh, technology when you find yourself without it. We built the house, and for about a month we didn't have the internet, and I thought we'd all going to kill each other. <laughs> and you probably would too. Before y'all laugh at me, and, and so there I was, and I didn't have no technology. So I went home one weekend, and I said, I'm going to steal me some technology. But I stole it from my parents, so it's okay. <laughs> my dad had a little deal he kept in his office at the church, a little um, VCR uh, monitor combo thing. And I, it was just real small. And I grabbed it, and I put it in my vehicle, and I grabbed some of his Because of the Times VHSs and and took them and I got up there and and uh, I actually uh, went home and picked up a few John Waynes too <laughs> and that's what I really planned on seeing and then I said I'm going to watch this and and I, I began to watch this message Brother Anthony Mangan preaching a message he, it was titled it's later than you think and so he began to preach about it's later than you think God began to deal with me and there I was in that little travel trailer in the fall, and it was getting cold, and and uh, just out there all by myself. And, and I began to kneel down and pray, and God began to deal with me about calling me into ministry. That's what can happen if you will make room in your life for the altar. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. If you will make room in your life for the altar of God, God can deal with you at, the, at, at, at times that you would have never planned that God is going to deal with me. But he can deal with you in those moments. And I'm going to just be quite honest with you today. I'm, I'm thankful. I am thankful that, I didn't, that I, I didn't get consumed with this thought that said, it has to be the most hopping church service for God to speak to me. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God taught me very early that... Remember, remember Elijah? He said, Lord, he said, he said uh, let me see uh, your glory. And he said, oh, can't do it. He said, uh, or, and, and Moses had, had wanted to see that. He saw the hinder parts of God. And Elijah uh, is going... Uh, running from the wilderness where he, where he had ran after Jezebel had come. And let me see what time it is here. I'm coming to a close. 
he had been in that wilderness after running from Jezebel and and uh, then the angel of the Lord came, brought him bread and water and, and he drinks that and eats it and then does that twice and then he gets up. The Bible said he went on the strength of that meat 40 days and he runs into the mountain, goes up in the mountain of God and while he's there, the Bible said that the wind began to blow and, and, and it's just rocking and reeling in that mountain and the Bible said, and, and, and here's the amazing thing. God caused that wind, but God wasn't in the wind. Oh, my goodness. God caused the wind, but he wasn't in it. And then the fire came. Here goes fire. That's not something you see every day sitting on the mountain. God caused the fire, but God wasn't in the fire. And then came the still, small voice. And God began to speak. God began to give him direction for his ministry, for his life in that mountain. And Elijah learned the lesson. It's not always about when the fire's falling. He'd just seen fire fall on Mount Carmel. It's not always when the rain's beginning to pour. He had just prayed rain down from heaven after a three-year drought. But in, in, in the middle of all that stuff going on... Now, think about this. In the middle of all that God was doing corporately, God needed to do something also individually in that prophet. And it wasn't going to happen in the wind. and It wasn't going to happen in the fire. It, it came with the still, small voice of God. And so what I am trying to tell you is I do thank God for our, for our powerful, powerful church services. We need them. I want them. I don't, I don't want to have a, a dead church service. And I know I'm here on Wednesday night teaching, and, and for people who don't have spiritual sensitivity, they'd say because it's teaching and we're quiet like we are right now, this is, this is not dead. This is not dead. So I, let me just, I, I just want to deal with that. I'm not going to, I don't fight that battle. I'm okay with being in this gear that I'm in right now because I know God's moving. But... We've got to be real careful that we don't think it has to be some for God to speak to us. It could be next week while you're driving down the road and you begin to make an altar in your life because you know there's some things you've got to get right with God. You begin to build an altar in your life and as you do, God begins to work and God begins to speak. And if you and I will ever come to that understanding that our God does his best work individually at the altar oh my goodness it would get us to such a it would get us to such depths in him and you can read through the bible and 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 go through this book go through this book and just look at how much God did at an altar just read through this book and look at all the wonderful things that God did, how he dealt with people at an altar. At an altar. And an altar is a place where you get alone with God. I can't drag you to my altar and you can't drag me to yours. Make room 
in your life for the altar. And if you will make room in your life for the altar, you will have a relationship with God. You will hear the voice of God. You will know the nearness of the presence of God if you will make room for the altar. And I'm going to just tell you, I feel the presence of God here tonight. I feel the presence of God here tonight. And I just feel like He just kind of wants to settle that on us. Would you just lift a hand where you are and begin to thank God for the altar? Every day, we ought to be spending time in prayer. Every day, we ought to be going to the altar. Every day. Every day. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know, I don't know if you go in a particular room of your house and you kneel down and you've got a corner that you like to kneel down. I don't know if you sit in a chair. And I... I really, I'm just going to tell you, I really don't care how you do it. I'm just concerned that we do it. I want to know that we are doing it. If you, on your drive to work every morning, if, if you are spending quality time with God at an altar, that's great. But let's go to the altar. I want to live the way he wants me to live. I want to give until there's just no more to give. I want to love, love till there's just no more love. I could never, ever outlove the Lord. He's given us a place where He'll talk to us about how we ought to live. He'll talk to us about how we ought to give. He'll talk to us about how we ought to love. I thank God for the altar. Please, 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 in all of our busyness, in all of our uh, being consumed with so many other things, please don't, please don't fill your life up with so much stuff that you lose the altar. Get a hold of the altar. There was a principle in the Old Testament that said, there was a law in the Old Testament that said, and the principle now this extends to us, it said you couldn't kill the man that had a hold on the altar. If he ran to the altar, he was safe. You didn't want to kill the man at the altar. And I thank God that I've got a place I can go. And when the enemy wants to come after me, and the enemy's saying, you sinner, 
you hypocrite, you liar. The enemy's telling me all the things. You did this, you said this, you thought this, you felt this way. And when he's putting all that stuff on me, I can run to the altar and get a hold of it. And if I get a hold of the altar, Jesus is going to make it all right in my life. Hallelujah. Why don't we stand together, lift our hands, and thank God for his presence that's been in this house tonight. Would you do that? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, you're so good to us. Thank you for giving us a place that we could hear your voice. Thank you, God, for bringing us to a place where our lives can be changed, where we can be impacted, where you can do your work in us. Hallelujah. And I I end saying this. God will do more work in your life over the course of your life. God will do more in you at the altar than he will anywhere else. I wish I had time to preach that a little bit. It's true. He'll do more at the altar than he will in your shout, than he will in your dance, than he will in your times of victory, than he will in your moments of despair. God will do more at the altar than will happen anywhere else in your life. You better have room for the altar. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your attention to the word of the Lord tonight. I just felt like everybody was just kind of zoned in on what the presence of the Lord was doing in this place. And I appreciate that. I love and appreciate you so much. Thankful for a wonderful banquet Sunday night. Uh, Thank you to uh, Daniel and Jonathan and Katija for decorating and setting up and and hauling and bringing stuff back and forth all that you did we appreciate that so very much and we had a wonderful time um brother tim had a little bit of a rock star spirit came over him and if you missed it he had a mic drop oh my goodness i didn't even see it coming he dropped that mic and i caught it i thought what just happened I realize, oh, we had a good time, though. I love all of you. Appreciate all of you. Please, if if there's any concern about weather Sunday morning, if it's looking rough, just check on our church Facebook or text or call me or my wife and or somebody else maybe who would know, and, and uh, you'll be able to stay uh, current with everything that's going on. Amen. God bless.